0: It's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. And Scott, we were treated to some very, very fun fights this past weekend, especially when it came to Asian boxers. Let's first start off in Houston. A little bit of an upset for Mr. Zoo.
1: Yeah, you've, you can't fault the guy. He looked off on his US debut, then turns it all on, and beats Ross and possibly the fight of the year so far. What a great fight. What an amazing back and forth between two guys who just gave it everything.
0: Uh, The scorecards were kind of ridiculous. 118-110. I mean, really?
1: No idea how they got that. The way I saw it, four rounds each way, and then there's four that were hard to call. It was brilliant. It was those four rounds. Basically decided it. And God only knows what Ignacio Robles was watching. I could see 116-112. Couldn't see the other two scores at all.
0: It was, it was a great fight. Probably the early candidate for fight of the year. Of course, we're still early into the year, but both guys were going at it. Now, I love Zoo because he has uh, quite a personality as his interview after the fight. I was pleasantly surprised by his English.
1: I'm very surprised by his English. Very, uh, very much a fan of his, I guess you could say, um, straight-up answers. He didn't try and mix his words at all. Where's he power come from? I'm Chinese. it comes from China. Perfect answer. No messing around, just get to the point and say where you're from.
0: Just think if the boxing world could bring China into the loop. It
1: does look like it's taken off slowly, bit by bit, but it, there's a lot of talent coming through from China. We mentioned earlier in the year the uh, Wei Feng gay card, which had had Zing on. There's a lot of talent coming through. It's just a case of getting that one standout superstar.
0: Now, Zoo has some possibilities moving on after this fight. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz, maybe, for that WBA super belt. How far do you think he can go in the featherweight division?
1: He's got the stamina. He's got the work rate and the toughness to go along with. I'm not sure about how far he can go due to his technical limitations. He's got a lot of guts, a lot of fire. Has he got the, the skills to go with it? It's hard to say. There are fighters out there that perhaps perhaps, able to take advantage of his flaws, but it's going to be exciting to find out.
0: I think the power might be the one weakness for him too, because if you're going to be a fighter that likes to just stay in the pocket and trade with guys, you need power. And with only two knockouts, it doesn't seem like he has that pop.
1: No, no. he's even just got them recently as well. In two fights ago and three fights ago, he scores first and second stoppages. If he goes up there against someone like um, Hugo Ruiz or Jack De Parra, they're going to probably walk through that sort of power
0: what, what would you think would be a good fight for him uh, following this win against Rojas?
1: They're going to want to put him against somebody they can probably probably see him being quite easily I was originally thinking perhaps Ria Arbe would be a really good fight um, somewhere down the line I don't know who he'd be fancied against as a, a good enough name to fight but also a beatable name. It's a hard pick for his team. They might try and cash him out, and they might try and take him home and get him a few easy defenses back at home. It's hard to say as to who, but Joseph Diaz would be a good shout. He's another uh, one who's working with Golden Boy.
0: Yeah, I saw him on Twitter. He was kind of calling out Zoo, saying, hey, let's do it."
1: it. Makes sense. It'd be a fun fight. It'd be a hard one for Zoo, but if you're going to make your name in the U.S., you might as well go out there and... Take a couple of scalps
0: like Streets did a couple of years ago. That would be amazing. JoJo, though, has some pop. and He has that southpaw style that's also a little bit difficult. So I'd, I'd, be, I'd be interested uh, to see that fight. Um, also, of course, in Houston, it was Inoue versus Mungia. We both figured this was going to be over. Probably, I was thinking maybe fourth, fifth round. Maybe he got to the sixth round. This went to the distance, and it was a lot more exciting than anything I could ever imagine. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, what did you think of it?
1: It was good. It was really, really good. Uh, as you mentioned, expecting a Mongoya stoppage. Anyway, he said the game promised to come forward. I thought that was going to be a big mistake, but he showed how bad Munguia was on the back foot. It was really strange how Munguia tried to fight a different fight than the one he should.
0: He was successful, you know, when he fought from distance, when he used his jab, uh, he used his reach. But when he let Inouye just come and smother him, he didn't know what to do. Also, didn't, you know, keep his chin down. I mean, his head was open to be picked off. Again, the scorecards were bad. I mean, just awful. Not, not a good look for this sport. They, I mean, they got the guy right. Obviously, Mungia won that fight, but Inouye at least won a couple rounds.
1: Yeah, I had it much closer. I think I gave Inuit three of the first five. And Mungu definitely dominated the later rounds much better, much more clearly than he did earlier on. But it's hard not to give Inuit some sort of credit for what he did
0: early on. And in that 10th round, brutal action, he was getting tagged and the dude just stayed on his feet. I don't know what kept him up. Japanese spirit
1: And <laughs> um, We see it so often when the Japanese go over. We had. Arakawa do the same. We've had Kamagai do the same. we had Muranaka come over to England and do the same against Kali I'm not sure what they make the chins out of, but there's something in them.
0: And he, he just smiled every time when Gia hit him with a shot. Just a little wry grin on his face to say, oh, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere.
1: I the best you got. Come on, they said you could punch.
0: I love after the fight too. They had, you know, an embrace um, I believe I, I was looking at a video where both guys just really respected each other, had a little bit of a conversation, took some pictures. but the, They brought a show to Houston, the fans. Um, they came for Mungia, but I think they left respecting Inouye.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, certainly it seemed like Inouye's profile grew massively, his fan base grew. The one big takeaway um, in regards to Mungia is I wouldn't want him in there with herd. I think her to do anything anywhere did, but better.
0: Not just her. I mean, guys in 154 still. Charlo, I think, would be a difficult out. Um, I think they're going to have to slowly bring Mungia along because, offensively, he has a lot of firepower, but defensively, he still has a lot of learning to do.
1: Hmm. And this fight probably showed it more than any of the 31, 32 fights.
0: I love that. Noe too, before this fight, there was just so much unknown about him. A lot of people were saying, oh, is this uh, the monster's cousin or brother? Uh, I'm sure they're asking you a lot about him as well. But now, uh, in the States, he he got some coverage. Yeah,
1: it's great to see that he's getting coverage. It's something I didn't expect when he uh, scored his big breakout win of Akinari Watanabe a couple of years ago. He's an unknown got into that fight outside of Japan. That was his first televised appearance in Japan. And since then, he sort of rose, had a poor 2018, and then got, got the fight the weekend and blew up again.
0: What's next for him? Arrest. A couple of years after that beating.
1: <laughs> yeah, a good six months, eight months, whatever he needs. And then I imagine they'd want to put him in some sort of eliminator or another high profile bout.
0: I think a lot of fans would, would not mind watching him fight because he's just a fun fighter. They just need to teach him a, a couple of techniques. He's, he's a little sloppy. I know that was his whole goal was to make the fight sloppy, but if he could have landed even some straighter punches on Munguia, uh it might have been a different fight.
1: would hope to see him in with someone like Liam Smith, another sloppy offensive fighter. That could be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, maybe a fight over in the UK. You can go watch
1: yeah. it. Yeah, go over here. I'll come up in with uh, Sam Eggington if if Higinton upsets upset Smith.
0: That would be fun. I'll I'll come and uh, I'll stay at your house and we can go watch the fight. Could crash on the floor. <laughs> there we go. A couple yeah. other fights um, that went on this weekend. We had King Tug going up against Marrero. Also, uh, sadridin Akmedov versus Abraham Juarez. A couple of prospects that are moving through the ranks. Uh, What did you like from them?
1: It's hard not to like Akhmadov. He has power. He has speed. He has technique. He was a standout amateur, and um, it looks like he's a standout prospect. I've seen some people refer, refer to him as the best prospect in boxing. Not sure on that, but he's up there. He's in the top 10, 15 of them. What a talent. What an exciting youngster he is.
0: Dude has a massive left hook, and uh, he used it to hurt Juarez in that fourth round and eventually get him out of there. Also good at closing and cutting off the ring, but he he has a lot of power, and he has a fun style. Um, King Tug, also a great boxer, of course, silver medalist at the 2012 Olympic Games, I believe. And Mm -hmm. uh, he faced Marrero. Kind of an interesting bout. We both thought this was going to have a lot of fireworks. It was more of a boxing match.
1: Yeah, re surprised by Marrero's tactics. He showed more in terms of boxing than, than I had seen before from him. But he also showed a an apt ability to fight to the dark arts. Lots of cheeky low blows and shots behind the head, holding, messing about. How on has kept his composure was brilliant really mature performance from the Mongolian who looks like he perhaps isn't quite as ready for a world title fight as we may have assumed, but he's getting there.
0: WBC featherweight kind of on the radar for him against Gary Russell. I I mean, is it going to be a couple fights before he gets in there with Gary?
1: That was on Eliminator, so I think the idea originally was to get Nyambaya in there with Russell, but yeah, he's going to need another couple of fights.
0: Russell fights like once a year, so... He better he better make his appointment now.
1: Yeah, set out for 2019, maybe 2020. Russell has spoken not fighting Leo Santa Cruz in a unification, so get two titles with one stone.
0: This week, before we get to the weekend card, we have a middle of the week card, another title eliminator bout.
1: Yeah, tomorrow night with um, the Filipino Aston Polite fighting the unbeaten Jose Martinez. That's a really interesting one on purple.
0: And of course, winner of that guessed, uh Donnie Nietes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if Polito beats Martinez, he'll get a rematch uh, with Nietes, who, who fought to a draw last year. Martinez would get his first title shot. Interestingly, Martinez is probably best known for his two draws with Alejandro Santiago Barrios, who himself fought to a draw with Erwin Ancahas last year. So it's... An interesting one. It's one that looks really good on paper, but it looks to be a big a big step up for Martinez.
0: A super flyweight division is absolutely stacked with a bunch of talent. Um, I I respect Nietes, and of course he had a great fight against Aoka, and then it would be interesting to see Aston kind of get back in there as well. Although I think, that draw that they fought to last year, that, again, was a product of bad scoring.
1: It was. It was also, it was closer than the commentators made it out to sound, but yeah, Nietzsche seemed to be uh, shocked a little bit on that one.
0: Nietzsche and Ioka, is that a possibility a, a, of a second fight? Would that ever happen, maybe, soon?
1: It could well be. There's no reason why it shouldn't, and both of them seem to want to settle the score. Both of them are high level. They're both highly ranked, both have a lot of financial backing, it makes a lot of sense. But by that same token, you can see both going through on different ways for different options. It looks like the IBF title is going to be held up with Irwin and Cass having a mandatory against Ryuchi Funai. Sounds like Kalyafai is going to face Roman Gonzalez, and Shrisuke is going to rematch Juan Francisco Estrada. So if Ayaka does want a shot, it seem to make more sense to Chess and Nieto's rematch.
0: Is that going to be the next Superfly?
1: Yeah, uh, to say. no one seems to have, uh, didn't seem like Tom Loft has signed a TV deal yet. So
0: that's true because Superfly was on HBO and now there is no HBO boxing at least. But uh, I, I always enjoy those cards because again, the division's just stacked, yeah. And it gives
1: exposure to fighters that perhaps aren't so well known but want to impress. These are guys who don't get TV time and now they're getting it and they want to show what they can do, they want to get more of it. Might be a little bit greedy when it comes to TV time.
0: Can yeah, we show some love oh. to the little people. Come on. I mean, it's honestly, the small guys have more exciting fights, in my opinion, because they just stand there and go at it.
1: Yeah, there's a strange perception that the little guys don't punch, and then you see a guy like Shisuke. How can you have the argument that they can't punch when Shisuke, Inoue, Higa, Kayaguchi... So many of them are
0: really hard headed right now. I tell those people, you stand in the ring, you get punched by uh Sorung of side. See how that feels.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's shot. Yeah, he's a little guy. Yeah, he hits like a mule.
0: Yeah, body shot right to the kidney.
1: <laughs> and then try getting up from that one.
0: <laughs> well, this weekend in Japan, big card. That's gonna be on the second. Ogawa coming back, making his comeback off that suspension for steroids. Um, He's going to be taking on Aldia from the Philippines. Uh, For Ogawa, this should kind of be a fight to get back into the swing of things, right?
1: Yeah, it looks to be a little more than a tune-up. Big fights will come their way. Japan is stacked with really good super featherweights at the moment. God, can't fight still met Masaru Yoshi, but there are options domestically for him. Get past Aldian and then open up those doors.
0: And also on this card and the bout that I'm really excited for, part of the champion carnival, Junto Nakatani, one of the up-and-coming flyweights in the world, he's going to be going up against Mochizuki for the Japanese flyweight title.
1: Yeah, the title was vacated late last year by Masayuki Kuroda, who's now chasing a fight with Maruti Mithlana. Uh, Nakatani, like you mentioned, the uprising, the rising flyweight, the unbeaten prospect against Mochizuki, who, if we're being honest, has a misleading record. His record is 15-3, and three, but at least one of those losses he deserved a win in, if not arguably two of them. He is criminally underrated. He's going to be a nightmare. I think Nakatani will beat him, but he's gonna be in his face all night.
0: Nakatani, I just I I think he the sky's the limit for this young man. Excellent style. He can bang, but he's a good boxer and also tough being a southpaw. Great jab. And he uses it to his advantage and good length. What's next for him if he gets this Japanese flyweight title belt?
1: Presumably there'll be a few domestic defenses, try and get him some maturity, some experience, and then move him on to Eliminators and even Oriental title fights on the way there. He's won the youth title. He's beaten guys like Sierra Uriakwai. He looks to be very special, but still very young, very inexperienced. He's got 17 fights, but not a lot of real experience there. So hopefully they pull the reins in. Getting some longer fights, getting some 10-12 rounders, and then up to world level.
0: So you don't think he's going to be one of those guys that they just fast track to the top, like like it sometimes happens, especially in Japan. They throw these guys into the fire.
1: The guys that tend to throw into the fire are top amateurs. Nakatani doesn't have that amateur background. He's probably more likened to Masayuki Ito in that respect. They're going to want to get him some solid grounding before tossing him. To the big dogs. You get guys like Inoue Kenshiro who've got massive amateur pedigrees. That's not the case from Nakatani uh, who is fantastic talented but did not have that grounding yet.
0: Also on this card Mikito Nakano you talk about a talented amateur in his second fight. What do you like about Nakano?
1: Nakano looks to have it all. He's very powerful, very quick, very accurate, very sharp. It's a shame we don't know who his opponent is. All I know is it's going to be a tie opponent in the six-round bout, but there's so much talent there in the corner.
0: Also fighting on this card, Lee, making his debut. (laughs) We talk about amateur
1: backgrounds again. Uh, Lee won something like 110 bouts or 102 bouts out of 112. He won 60-something in a row. When we don't talk about amateur standouts, he's the go-to guy, I guess, for this year. He competed on the international uh, scene for North Korea, of all places. He's such a talent. Very sharp, but very quick.
0: And I believe Nakano and Lee kind of had the same... Were they at the same protest with each other?
1: Yeah, they are at the same protest last year. They're both Titan fighters. They're both set to be on similar career trajectories, I imagine, despite being a couple of weight classes apart.
0: So it should be a good card. For Hall, February 2nd, we'll get to see Ogawa again. Of course, Nakatani, try for the Japanese flyweight title. And Nakano and Lee, just at the start, the beginning of their hopefully brilliant careers. Gosh, we had some other big news this week, Scott. Of course, you're listening to the Asian Boxing Podcast, uh, Asian Boxing Info, or AsianBoxing.info. Did you get the dot right? Uh, It's important to get the dot and the info. Otherwise, we're going to send them to the wrong place. (laughs) Other news that came out this week, Scott, lay it on us.
1: There were some interesting ones. The biggest one was a couple of days ago. Uh, We'll see Cesar Juarez fighting against Reisker in the IBF Super Battleweight title limit, and that is going to be good.
0: Now, this is funny because Juarez, we had the kind of rumored fight that Wake was going to fight him.
1: Yeah, that was a weird one. It never made any sense as to why Waka would get the fight so soon after fighting Takafimi Nakajima. But hey, we get Aiwata in it. It's another great fight. It's two world-class guys fighting for a shot. TJ Tahini, what's not to love?
0: The rumor just came out. They figured out it's a Japanese guy. They just missed on who exactly was the guy.
1: That seems to have been the case. Ah, they're from Japan. They're super and white. They're world-class. They're Southpaw. Which one? There's two or three. Yeah, it's one of them. They, they're uh, also really good friends. Iwata is a better amateur, but yeah, they're both really close friends. They um, used to be photographed quite a lot together on their blogs and talked to each other, sparring together. And they are familiar with each other, should we say.
0: Um, other news also. Uh, Pakistan fighter, Muhammad Wasim. He made a big signing.
1: He signed with MTK Global who should, fingers crossed, be able to keep him active. His career looked like it was going to be something very special early on, but then we just fell apart. Uh, He went from being Gimel Magrama in his fourth or fifth fight to doing nothing for a year. Then fights Maruti Mithlana and comes up narrowly short. You wonder what he would have done there had he been active beforehand.
0: Interesting, because you don't you don't really see a lot of fighters from Pakistan.
1: No, um, and I think, I think without the financial backing, they're not going to see a lot. It Korea has been blighted by a lack of financial backing from the government. MTK Global should be able to back them themselves, but if not, it could be a while until we see another notable Pakistani fighter.
0: And also a very exciting, exciting announcement. Mishiro to defend his title against Watanabe of course, the OBPF super featherweight title belt. Uh, this one should be pretty good.
1: Yeah, should be absolutely brilliant. Mashiro's a natural talent, a very quick, lightning skilled fighter. Watanabe is just fun. I can't remember seeing a Watanabe fight that I didn't enjoy. Uh, if you've never seen him, I suggest you look up his fight with Jason Lee. It was possibly the bloodiest belt in the last five years. The referee, the commentator. Both fighters, the canvas—it was all covered in
0: claret. Sounds fun. It was bloody good fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny that you know super featherweight in Japan—it's just such a strong division. I don't know why that is, but they're pumping out talent. They continue to pump out talent. Of course, they have a world champion in Masayuki Ito, but I love the old super featherweights getting at it.
1: Yeah, you can see the winner this year becoming a target for Ogawa
0: as well trying to get back onto the world stage.
1: Yeah, and what, easy, what better way to do it than to chase the, uh, the OBF title and potentially set up about with Ito.
0: Scott, any other news that uh, we might have missed?
1: Uh, yeah, there's been a couple of bits. There was Denver Quayle's return set for March 1st. Quayle was once dubbed the most exciting man in the Minnow division and then vanished. He has so many bad injuries that he basically disappeared off the face of the boxing world for a couple of years. Fingers crossed that he's half the fighter he was before his injuries.
0: Oh, the southpaw is kind of older now, though. I mean, his last fight was, what, 2014, 15, something like that?
1: Yeah, hopefully the rest still, you know, would have helped. Uh, but it's hard to know what he has. His injuries really were that severe that it seemed like he'd retired because of them.
0: Finally... What I wanted to end off on is this is a crazy, crazy comeback. But apparently, a man who started off and won a title at bantamweight, he's going to be fighting at heavyweight?
1: Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's like the good old days of George Cap t a and moving through the weights as you grow. Siri Moncol Singh Wancher, one of the very few fighters who's active with 100 fights, is... Going to be fighting as a heavyweight soon. The date and the full details haven't yet been released, but he's a five foot six, forty-one year old. What is he doing with his life?
0: Move aside, Manny Pacquiao. I went from what he started at flyweight. Right, I went from flyweight to heavyweight.
1: What a super fight that'd be! Come on, Manny! Come on! Come on! Much Thailand to fight me.
0: But we're gonna have to fight at heavyweight.
1: Yeah, or catch weight, maybe, maybe 198 pounds or something.
0: I mean, you talk about someone who has guts. I, I respect him. It's an
1: amazing thing. He made his debut in 94. He fought Joy Shiro Tatsuyoshi in 97. <laughs> he posed for a gay magazine. He got arrested for drugs. He's he had an amazing, <laughs> amazingly creative life.
0: Oh my goodness. That is quite a story. I'm sure you're not going to hear about him on many other podcasts, but you will hear it or you will hear about him right here on the Asian boxing podcast. Scott, what do we have to look forward to next week?
1: Uh, we are expecting a really big announcement tomorrow. Uh, fingers crossed, but it is supposed to be the WBSS semi-final announcements either tomorrow or Friday. So we have that to look forward to. Yay.
0: Um, I mean, and me, I- like Christmas.
1: How is it taking this long? Seriously, come on, folks. Sort it out.
0: Oh, yeah. We're the WBSS. We're going to make an announcement that we're going to have an announcement. Thanks.
1: Several weeks after we should have already announced it.
0: Whoever runs their Twitter page and Instagram page, they've had me closely following. I mean, they're really good at teasing stuff, but they haven't delivered yet.
1: There is also a few of the really interesting bouts coming across the weekend after. So we have got a lot to look forward to. It's it's interesting, it's getting more active The bigger fights are starting to be delivered We're not yet seeing The non-stop schedule that we've seen in the past But we are seeing more and more fights built through We've got things like Shritsaket's return to the ring On February the 8th Oops, did we leak that one? He's fighting in Thailand against a yet-to-be-named Opponent
0: Come on, Sorong Get in there with someone who who actually could give you a fight it's
1: supposed to be a tune-up for the Estrada rematch, so he's getting to the big fight.
0: Alright, I, I believe him. I just I just want to see him in there, especially when he's in his prime. See him with the best.
1: It is time that he stopped having these busy fights, getting the ring properly, but it's nice to see him active. It's nice to see him fight for, what, the fourth time since he fought Estrada? Or the third time since he fought Estrada? And staying active, we can't complain too much about that as long as he's getting a big fight later this year.
0: I, I still want to see him go up against the Monster. We have to do the WBSS for that one, aren't we? Yeah. Can, can, he enter, can, he, can he make a late entry into the WBSS?
1: Can someone pull out? know. Yeah, just go pull out. The win fight down the
0: line. Asianboxing.info The Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin will talk to you next week.